Hi, this is Kenya on my podcast, North Korea and Kenya, where I talk about all the mysteries of North Korea and how it came to be. Today, I will be talking about the great history of Korea before its division. And I've got a lot of things planned out, so this should be fun. Just going to give a heads up. I'm really bad at explaining things. So... We're going to get started with early Korea. What do I know about early Korea? So my two main points are going to be the Sino-Japanese War and the Russo-Japanese War. So like by the names of those wars, you you know, you kind of get a hint of who Korea dislikes, you know. Japanese people. Or like Japan. Not Japanese people. Just Japan. The country. Unless they also have something against Japanese people. I mean, I don't know. I've never been in a war. I certainly have not disliked a country before, except for America, but I feel like everyone does sometimes. Anyways, so I'm going to get started with the Sino-Japanese War. So towards the end of the 19th century, Korea kind of starts to like fall apart, you know? Like, they had this great thing going on for a couple of years, and, you know, they're kind of feeling themselves, but then they kind of, they just kind of let it fall apart, you know? And then Japan takes this as, like, as their, like, time to shine. Like, this is, this is where they're going to come in and save Korea, right? But no, they're really just colonizing Korea. So they come in, they come into Korea, and Korea's going to, like, what's going on? And Japan's like, well, you know, we saw y'all falling apart. So we thought, you know, you needed our help, but in reality, we're not going to help you. We're just going to kind of turn all your people into slaves. And so China kind of sees this because China's Korea's next door neighbor. Right. So China sees this and they come in and they're like, "Mm -mm, no, no. So they try to help. They, well, they try to help, you know, they're just trying to be nice. Right. To Korea. And so they try to help, and basically, Sino-Japanese War happens from 19, 1894 to 1895. And basically, you know, China didn't do so well, so Japan ultimately, you know, wins. And they basically rule, they rule for a while, excuse me, and then... You know, they kind of just, they kind of rule for a while. And then later, like fast forward a couple years, the Russo-Japanese War starts. So this involves Russia, of course. And the reason it involves Russia is because King Go-Shung of Korea, he's kind of being hated on by his people and like by Japanese people and like by Japan and like everybody, you know, everyone kind of dislikes this guy. So what he does is he goes into hiding and he basically hides in Russia with like the czar of Russia at the time. And so the czar of Russia, he's kind of like, he's kind of like telling him what to do. You know, he's trying to, you know, he's just sticking his nose where it doesn't belong, you know, and he's just like trying to influence, you know, King Goshung. And so, so Japan kind of sees this and they're like, no, I don't like this. Oh, they also see the Trans-Siberian Railroad thing and they're kind of like, we don't like that. Well, Japan is like that. Japan's like, we don't, we don't like that. We don't like that railroad because, you know, you're helping all of East Asia 
and we don't like helping or we don't like you helping, you know? And so they kind of go into war from 1904 to 1905. And, you know, kind of, kind of takes a toll on everybody, but you know who, you know who else likes to get involved in things they they don't need to be involved in? The United States. Who said the United States? I said the United States, but you probably guessed that anyways. So at the end, no one really like technically wins, but like Theodore Roosevelt from the United States, the president of the United States, Theodore Roosevelt, he signs this treaty, the Treaty of Portsmouth, that basically says, you know, Japan, Japan is ruling Korea. So no one really likes that at all. But that basically happens. And so that's the end of, you know, their colonization era. And no one really gets involved for for at least a while, you know. But yeah, that's, that's basically it. Mm -hmm. 1905. So Japan, Japan, Japan. So this next part is going to be about Japan. Japan, Japan's rule from like after the Russo-Japanese War in 1905 up until like World War II. And it gets pretty dark, really. It's just really, it's really upsetting, you know, to hear all this. But nevertheless, it's, it's history for you. <laughs> okay, um... So after the 19 after 1905 there's a treaty signed the the Japan Korea Treaty and this basically says you know Japan Japan is Japan is a protectorate I believe that's the word protectorate yeah of of imperial Japan so Basically, you know, Japan's ruling. And under under Japan's rule, they Japan builds like a couple of things. They build trains. They also do a lot of banning of Korean things. They they ban Korean currency. They abolish Korean currency. They destroyed a bunch of palaces that were used by the Korean government. Um they basically, you know, they start eliminating Korean culture. They ban the Korean language in schools, so now they can't teach that. Another thing is they started banning the teaching of Korean history. They, um, they basically told newspapers, you know, you can't write about Korean. You can't write in Korean. You can't give news in Korea about Korea, you know, all that, basically. And they're just trying to completely wash out all of Korean culture and traditions and everything, really. And so at, while this is happening, um, Korea is deciding, you know, we're not going to go out without a fight. So they're basically, there's, they start making like this sort of government of, for the Korean people. And this government starts making, um, they start making their, their own, 
armies, you know, the Korean liberation armies. And this is where it kind of gets intense with the, basically they started doing like demonstrations, demonstrations and protests across Korea. And a lot of death occurs. There was the March 1st, 1919 in Korea movement. It was March 1st movement. That's what they called it. Where a thousand demonstrations in the cities happened. About 7,000 people were killed. 16,000 were wounded. And about like, I believe... 56,000 were arrested and it just happened like across Korea too and that was just the first movement so you can just imagine how many more people died as these movements kept happening and then World War II starts and we all know what Japan was up to in World War II they were you know they were taking over like parts of Southeast Asia too. And they were forcing Koreans to like, you know, work for them. One of the worst like atrocities that Japan committed was during World War II, where they forced around 200,000 girls and women from Korea and China, and they forced them into non PG slavery. And they also forced like male troops to fight for them. But they forced a lot of women and girls to just be their, you know, they're not PG slaves. And one of the worst things is that they, Japan tried to claim them as comfort women too. Like they just, <laughs> it just gets worse, you know, they, they called them comfort women for the the Japanese military. Um, what else did they do? I should know. But yeah, it's just really bad, you know. Also, 1965, they, they signed this treaty of basic relations between Korea and mm, Japan. Or basically says the other treaties that they were forced to sign weren't legal anymore. Like the Japan-Korea treaty. Those were done illegally because Japan forced like one of the military, military um, leaders to sign it. And it technically wasn't the Korean emperor. So it didn't count, basically. So while this is happening, some guerrilla armies across Southeast Asia are taking sides with Korea. And basically they kick out Japan. And that's pretty much where it ends for Japan's rule. There were some other wars and like battles like the ambush of the Japanese military in 1932 that happened. And the Battle of Qingshanli in 1920. Those are basically some wars that happen, you know, between Japanese and the and the Korean Liberation Army. Those are just some interesting wars. But that's it for Japan, you know. 
So after World War II happens, there's sort of like a conference to decide what's going to happen to Korea. Because right now what's happened is there's, because after World War II, you know, they were, Russia and U.S. were fighting against Japan and, and Germany, right? So Russia's kind of taken over, well, they've got territory in, in, like northern parts of Korea, while U.S. has parts in territories in South Korea, and basically leads into the Korean War, where you know the U.S. and Russia are having their big fight, you know, because they're big babies and have to get involved in everything and can't leave things alone. So that's happening. And what happens is, guess what? They decide to divide North Korea on the 38th parallel. And so now there's two Koreas. This is mainly because, like, during the conference, Northern Korea was like, no, we don't want to be a, a democracy, you know? It happened in 1947. The UN wanted Korea to be a democracy, but North Korea was like, no, we don't like that. So they just they just did their own thing. And so, guess who they put in charge? Kim Il-sung. His name wasn't actually Kim Il-sung. It was something else. I forgot. But he he was born in Korea, but he spent most of his life in China. And he was just fighting all these wars, right? And so he comes back. He kind of, he's kind of friendly with the Russians and whatever. And that's where, like, communism pretty much just spreads in Northern Korea. And, like, he's taking a lot of advice from, like, the Soviet Union and stuff. So communism is basically what's going on up there in the North. Something... Some other things that Kim Il-sung did, like, while he was in charge. He made the Workers' Party of Korea, which basically, you know, Workers' Party of Korea, what else is there to say? There's so much to say about that, but I don't really know much about that. But what I do know much about is the Federation of Literature. So these two things are, like, the main things. These are, like, the building blocks of all of North Korea. The Workers' Party of Korea and the Federation of Literature. But the Federation of Literature is, like, one of the main ideas. Because this is where, like, we get a lot of the propaganda from. Because Federation of Literature was basically to, like, take back, like, their Korean, their Korean backgrounds, you know? Oh, something else, like a fun fact. Um, Kim Il-sung didn't really know Korean so he his his speeches had to be translated from Chinese to 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 Russia to Korea, you know, like it was just a whole thing to happen. But he's like, with the help of well, like with using Federation of Literature that he made, he's like making himself to look like a god, and you know he's getting all the praise and all this good stuff. And the next thing that he does is, like, he's like, I want to re reunify Korea. 
I want to make Korea great again. Where have we heard this before? So he invades South Korea. Obviously, the U.S. is getting mad. So we get another war. It is really late at night. Um, we get another war between North and South Korea. Basically fighting each other for the longest. And at at some point, um, a ceasefire agreement is signed in 1953 between North and South Korea. And basically stop the war, basically put it on halt. However, since a peace treaty was never officially signed, the countries are still technically at war. Like today. Like they're technically at war. They're not they're not really finished, but yeah, that's what's happening. And yeah. That's pretty much most of Korean history. I hope everyone enjoyed this. Um hopefully it's just Miss Shepherd listening. <laughs> but yeah. Thank you for your time. I will be going now. Good bye.